Elementary music teacher friend, you love what you do, but you might feel unappreciated and, in fact, unseen some days. You may even feel like you're on a music teacher island and just want to connect with other music teachers who can relate to both your struggles and wins when it comes to teaching elementary music. I get you and understand completely the feelings you're having. That's why each and every week, the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast will provide you with solo and guest episodes that will help you realize you're not alone in your music teaching journey. Throughout each episode, my goal is for you to be able to walk away with actionable steps and ideas to help you feel like you're ready to take on the new week with whatever challenges may be thrown your way. Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Peresta, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you're at home, in your car, in the shower, or wherever else you're listening, grab your cup of coffee or whatever other beverage is nearby and listen in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey friend, I am so excited to invite you to a free three-day challenge called the Reflect and Renew Challenge. In this free challenge, you'll begin to think about teaching elementary music in a new way. In just three days, you'll go from feeling overwhelmed to confident and will surround yourself with other music teachers who will support and encourage you. Day one is all about reflecting. You'll reflect back over where you're at in the school year and identify the highs and lows, no matter if you are joining this challenge at the beginning, middle, or end of the school year. We start with reflecting first in order to move forward successfully. Day two is all about processing. Your process through what it is you need to focus on to make your music teaching situation successful. Then day three is all about renewal. You'll break through mindset beliefs while setting goals and action steps to help you meet them. Each day of the challenge, you'll be getting a daily challenge email that will contain action steps for you to take. So simply head to subscribepage.com forward slash reflect and renew challenge to save your seat and I'll see you there. Friends, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Today I'm going to talk about transitions in the music room. I have done episodes before about having students enter the music room, how to have them exit the music room, what to do while they're in the music room, helping the wiggly students, and all kinds of other episodes like that. So if you go to the domesticmusician.com forward slash podcast, there is a little search bar right there where you see my podcast and you can type in entering classroom, exiting classroom, transitions, and see those episodes come up, or just simply reach out to me and I will share those with you. But today I wanted to do an episode specifically about transitions in the music room during class time. The first thing I want to talk about is less talking and more doing. I know this is so hard. I am such a talker. I don't know if you can tell, kind of have a podcast and all, but I think just as teachers in general, we want to talk. We want to explain. We want to wait for it, teach, (laughs) right? But here's the thing. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the more you talk, the less students listen. What I mean is if you are giving an instruction 
and let's say it's the very beginning of class time, your students are going to tune you out after the first sentence. It is all across the board from, let's say you teach pre-K or TK, whatever you call it where you live, through fifth, sixth grade, or maybe you even teach middle and high school. So what I have started doing more and more is shorter sentences, less instructions. And I'm telling you, at first it was nerve wracking because I'm like, oh my gosh, these kids aren't going to do what I'm needing them to do because I'm barely giving them instructions. But they did and they do. They listen so well. So here's an example of that. Students come in the classroom and well, first of all, they know which seat to go to. And I immediately start a body percussion warm up. Then I hold my hand up when we're done with that, like a stop sign, or I'll put my finger over my mouth to say, Shh, okay, we're quiet now with my littles, especially. Then I will say, look up here or watch this, or I will just start going over the I can statements, or I will say, repeat after me or something like that to get class started. And they will rise to the occasion because they're focusing their attention on what you're doing and not so much of you just talking and giving instructions for a long time. So that is the first point is less talking, more doing and show them and not tell them. So if you're wanting them to play, let's say you've moved into drumming or rhythm instruments, I will show them what to play. Like I will say something like this, do this. And let's pretend these are my rhythm sticks. And at this point, of course, they already have rhythm sticks. I'll point at them and they do what I just did. Or you can start with body percussion. Let's try that again. Do this point. And that was their turn. So I'm not giving them instructions like this. So what I'm going to do first class is I'm going to snap my fingers and I'm going to snap them three times. And the reason I'm doing that is because I'm going to listen to how many beats and then, oh, by the way, there's a beat at the end. That's a rest. So make sure you don't snap that. Oh, and also if you can't snap very loud, that's okay. Don't look at your neighbor snapping. Only watch me. I'm losing the kids. And I'm not saying anybody's going on and on that extreme, but that was just an example of a way not to give super long instructions. You're going to lose the kids. So show them and not tell them as much. Okay. Procedures for the win. I have talked about procedures on this podcast many times as well. And I completely believe you can have procedures in your music room for literally any and everything. Kids want to know what to expect. They will rise to the occasion. I feel like I keep saying that sentence, but they really will. Procedures for the win. So what do you want them to do when they walk in the room? What are they supposed to do when you point at the board? What are they supposed to do when they're echoing after you? How do they know when to echo after you? What do they do when it's time to stand up and go to a new activity? How do they make a circle? How do they get an instrument in front of them? And so on and so forth. If you have never thought through all of the moving parts when it comes to transitions in the music room, I would highly suggest you do that. I would suggest you sit down and think about if you're losing kids at a certain part of your class time, then maybe it has something to do with the procedures there. Honestly, this whole episode is about transitions of how they're transitioning from one activity to another. So what's the procedure for they're sitting doing body percussion. Now you're having them stand up. Well, I would motion with my hand for them to stand up. And then when they're doing that, I'm going to give a short instruction. We're going to make a circle or walk this way with me. Maybe we're even marching in a steady beat around the room to get to the circle. Or I might give the instruction, hold hands with your neighbor. And then I'm going to wait. Let's be honest, they're kids. 
They're going to get loud. Some of them are going to think it's funny. They're going to pull their neighbor's hand and so on and so forth. So you could say like this, show them with your hand, not this. And I'm going to pretend to pull one of the kids. And so then you're showing them what to do. Then you notice everybody's in a circle, say, let go, sit down. See how short these instructions are? So if you don't have a procedure for all those things I just mentioned, you don't have a way for them to get to a circle except for make a circle and then they're running. And then let's be honest, half the time kindergarten and even first grade, actually even my second graders sometimes don't know how to make a circle. I tell them and they're in a clump of grapes. So break it down. Think about where you're losing them from standing to sitting, from sitting to walking, from walking to sitting again, from sitting to getting an instrument, from putting the instrument up. What are the procedures you have in place? Something I really love doing with my pre-K and kindergarten students is a hello and goodbye song. This is a simple way for them to understand class is starting, class is ending. When they hear that magic song come on, they know we're coming in the music room. It's time to get started. They hear the song at the end come on and it is time for class to end. There are many, 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 many of these on YouTube. Literally type in hello song and you're going to see a plethora of them and just choose one you like, honestly. Or maybe you've learned one at a particular conference or workshop that you like as well, or you, I don't know, made up your own. It doesn't matter what the song is, but I think this is a great idea for transitioning into the music room and transitioning out of the music room. On top of that, I already talked about using a body percussion warm-up at the beginning of class. I mainly do this with probably second grade up where we have a body rondo we have done forever. Every single class period, I don't even talk about it. We even start doing it before they walk in the room. And I have some specific, we call them roller coaster warmups, but vocal warmups I usually do. Maybe not every class period, it depends on what we're doing, but most of the time I do that with the students as well. But they know to expect it now. There's never a, what are we doing when we walk in the room? They know we're doing this as, by the way, not when they're at their seats, but as they're walking to their seats. And so the goodbye song for the littles would look more like maybe exit tickets or we are talking about what we learned or I am having them line up in a certain way by maybe I made up some kind of chant like I'm going to move, move my feet to the beat and get out of my seat, move my feet to the beat and get out of my seat. And while we're saying that together, I'm pointing at individual students who are also echoing the chant with me. And one thing I have learned a lot, and I definitely believe this is true after my years of experience, and I think I've mentioned this before, but if students are doing something with their body and their mouth, it's hard for them to touch a neighbor. It's hard for them to talk or start screaming or yelling because they're thinking about what to do with their body and they're thinking about what to do with their mouth. So give them something to do that way. So just basically have a way for the students to come in and have a way for them to leave. That is definitely a transition. And like I said, I have two episodes I've done about entering and exiting the classroom. If you want to go back and look for those where I kind of go into some specific ideas around that. Think through every single thing that happens in your music room. We've already talked about that, but have a procedure in place for everything, but not just procedures for transitions from one activity to another, but also when we're talking about transitions in the music room is think through the process of how will a student transition to blow their nose? How are they going to transition from blowing their nose back to joining the class? How are they going to transition from the hallway into the music room? What are they going to do if we need to transition from putting our instruments away to making a circle? So all of those procedures we talked about earlier, I just kind of wanted to throw some more in the mix there. And then also think about 
with instruments, one thing that's helped a lot, if you have time for this, I know everybody has different situations. Some of you teach on a cart, some of you have a small class space, some of you have a large class space, but whatever it looks like, think about how you're going to have instruments set up or easily ready to grab. What are your procedures for that? One thing I really have started doing that's worked well, in my opinion, I mean, maybe my students don't think so, but I do, (laughs) is that if I'm using drums, I'm going to use drums all across the board. Now, they're definitely not doing the same activity all across the board. But instead of, okay, this group's using drums, they're going to do rhythm instruments, these are going to do mallet instruments, and so on and so forth, that gets overwhelming. Now, There is an exception to that if later in the school year, older students are doing recorder ukulele and your youngers are not, obviously it's not going to work that way. Also with mallet instruments, I don't usually use mallet instruments until a little bit later towards winter break with my littles. So if there is a way to prepare for that, to have everybody using the same instrument all day long, then do that. If not, then think about how you're going to have your instruments laid out. One thing that your older students definitely love doing is helping most of them, some of them. So if you, let's say that first grade follows a fifth grade class and you know what instruments you need set up, have your fifth graders help you set up for first grade before the first graders come in. Then you have a procedure in place. When first graders come in and even if there's instruments on the floor, they know we're starting with a body percussion warm up. I'm not able to touch the instruments yet. And then you can move into what you're doing with the instruments. I love to, for transitions also, I talked to you about the one I use, or I've used several different ones where students are lining up to leave, but I also use some kind of rhyming pattern or spoken ostinato for students to transition from one activity to another. Instead of saying, okay, we're gonna stand up, walk and put your instrument away, then come back to your seat. I always just kind of make up little spoken ostinatos on the spot like that. So for example, pick your rhythm sticks up and put them in the box. Pick your rhythm sticks up and put them in the box. And it's so cool because you're going to see your students naturally start walking to the steady beat to put their rhythm sticks away. And then they're going to put them in a way. And then when I see most of the students' rhythm sticks are in the box, I'm going to move it to you put your instruments away. Now come to your seat. You put your instruments away. Now come to your seat. So you're just kind of observing them. And when most of them have them put away, then you can change the rhythm pattern that you're speaking or the spoken ostinato. The last thing I want to talk about is throughout your lesson, you're going to have many different things you're doing. For example, reading rhythms. Let's use that as an example. Students are going to maybe do it together as a whole class. Maybe they're going to read rhythmic patterns together in small groups. Individually, they're going to practice it on instruments and in various ways. So these are like micro transitions. What are you going to do when the students are transitioning from whole group rhythm reading to small group rhythm reading, from small group rhythm reading to practicing individually, from individually to joining the whole group again? So this could be applied towards many different concepts that you are covering in the music room. These micro transitions are super important to consider as well. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your support more than you could ever know. And I will be back next week with a brand new episode. And I hope you're doing well. Hang in there, friends. You're doing an amazing job teaching music to your students. 
Well, hey there. Thank you so much for listening into the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. There is an exclusive Facebook group just for listeners of this podcast and any elementary music teacher called the Elementary Music Teacher Community Facebook Group. Come on over and join us there where we have conversations around the podcast episodes and encourage each other each and every week. And also head to my website, thedomesticmusician.com. I have some free resources there that you can download to help you gain traction in your classroom today as well as the blog and the membership site and all kinds of other goodies to help you keep going in your music teaching journey. I cannot wait to keep connecting with you and encouraging you and spurring you on in your journey of teaching elementary music. Hang in there, have an amazing week, and I will see you soon.